0: Hello, you are listening to the Plumfield Moms, and this is Plumfield in Person.
1: Hi, I'm Diane Pendergraft, and I'm here with Sarah Masarik. and today we have two of our library ladies, Jeanette Toulis and Christy Stansfield. Jeanette
0: and Christy, we are so excited to have you here today. We really enjoyed getting to know you, and we're very excited about the projects we have coming up, but we're just so, so tickled pink to have you here to get to know you a little bit better and help our listeners get to know you so that when they're tuning in for the Landmark Book Clubs and the Forgotten Books and some of the other projects, they know who these voices are a little bit better. So thank you for joining us. It's good to be here. I'm
2: really happy to be part of this. This is, this is What you all have created is very, very special. And I think it's super helpful to moms who are looking to build libraries at their home, especially, but also just to find great books for their children.
0: I love that you say that about moms, because that's really our goal, is to accompany moms on their journey. Dads too, but really, uh, it's mostly moms who are doing this particular work. And our desire is that when moms are looking at how to spend their read aloud time, how to spend their resources on library books or curriculum, ways in which they're going to manage their resources with their children, we want to make sure that we have pointed them to the very best possible suggestions so that their time will be well spent, that they will have the opportunity to experience some really beautiful things that they wouldn't have otherwise known about. And I always thought I was pretty well read. (laughs) I went to Hillsdale College. I went to the University of Oxford. I've read a lot. But meeting you ladies, I feel like I have never read anything. And that is exciting to me. There is such a fantastic world of incredible books out there. And you guys have done such an incredible work in preserving these books, making sure that these books are not forgotten. And building these libraries, giving moms access to these books, I think that's really remarkable. Today, we want to talk about how you got into this. Who got started first, Christy or Jeanette?
2: I'm thinking Christy.
0: I I don't
3: know. Collecting?
2: I mean, I started collecting, I mean, I, I got married when I was 31, and then, or I think I was 31, and then I had my first child soon after that, just about to turn 32, and I think at that point I knew I wanted to, you know, collect books. So that was uh 30 years ago. Wow. So 30 years, me, yeah. you, Christy? Yeah. About the same?
3: I got married for the second time at 31, had the first of six more, and I I have a daughter who is older, and we started reading lots. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've I've always loved to read but I traveled around a lot. So I didn't have a lot of stuff. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I could, I could move myself in suitcases and things like that. But I think after I had my daughter, I started collecting books and she loved to read as much as I did. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Now the boys were not what I call natural readers. Mm -hmm. And so that's when we had a lot of read alouds and, um, Audiobooks. Audiobooks yeah. saved my life. I love audiobooks. Reading aloud, I, I just I fall asleep. I get <laughs> literally I cannot hold my eyes open. And it gets very so, soothing
1: sometimes. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> but, when but I'm I like that when
1: I'm listening.
3: Yeah. Oh no, no, I can listen, yeah. but- now I'm the
2: same way, Christy. Matter of fact, my youngest son, who's about to turn 20 he used to say, okay, mom, I'm going to give you five times that you can fall asleep and hey, you've got to take a nap. <laughs> it, it I literally so... would just drift off reading and I'd yes. read nonsense or something. And he's like, mom, wake up. And it wake was, up. I think it really did drive him crazy because he was a very efficient kind of person. And he was just like, I cannot deal with this anymore. <laughs> so, um,
0: So did he grab the book and then read it himself instead?
2: Well, sometimes, but to be quite honest, I sometimes loved the book so much, I didn't want him to read it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wanted to read it to him so I could listen too, because (laughs) I knew that I probably wouldn't take the time to read it for myself. But if I had to read it to him as lessons, then I was getting to hear it too. So there were several books where I just said, okay, that's one I don't want you to read for yourself. I'm going to read that to you. Even I, in high school, so uh, I, I I don't know if that really did him any. I, I think he probably was get more irritated at that than he was than he was pleased. Especially when I couldn't stay awake,
1: so that was a problem. I had that problem in front of my class sometimes. We'd be finally get around to our you know, our read alouds in the afternoon, and I'd be sitting there going, "Please don't let me fall off the stool." <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I so I have the same problem and. I I found best thing for me is in the morning is I have a morning basket and it is a basket. And it's like, it has to be the book I want to read that day. So I allow myself to be moody and I don't schedule. I'm like, well, there's five treasures in there. We're just going to grab the one that mom's most excited about. (laughs) That's what we're going to (laughs) do. And some books are just not as good read aloud as they are read silently
2: yeah someone said that the other day, and I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about um usually when I listen to a book on audio, I want to read it afterward because mm-hmm. I feel like I maybe haven't i missed parts or because um, my mind will tend to wander yeah. mm-hmm. but um uh but for me I think i I think I do enjoy reading more than hearing, mm-hmm. but I think that's because i'm- vi- I'm more visual than I that's am also. Insane. But I had a son who was very dyslexic and he listened to so many audiobooks and he understood everything. He processed everything so well that he heard. So um, that was really, that was really helpful to have that for him.
0: Yeah. If I were to sit, I could not listen to an audiobook. But if I'm doing something, then I get so much more value out of the audiobook. I always remember there's this one scene in Laddie by Gene Stratton Porter and I was standing next to the washing machine in my laundry room, and every time I would go into the laundry room at that time of day, the scene from Laddie would come back to me because I had <laughs> been listening while I was folding. And so there are so many things like that that I I will go and do something like, oh, I remember Suddenly I'm overwhelmed with Mysterious Benedict Society or whatever it is. Those scenes come flashing back to me. So I love audiobooks. If I'm busy, you know, folding, cooking, cleaning, something like that, then I think they're the best.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I'll do audio now. My daughter did not like to be read to because Mm. she read so well. It's like, just give me the book. Let me read it. You know, (laughs) And, And she was that way with school, too. Just give me my work. Let me do it. We don't need to talk about it. Let's just, why do we need to talk about it? Well, I just want to read it and do it myself. But when we were in the car, we would I would read aloud in the car. Now I could manage that. And I don't know why. But I've done everything from the Prince and the Pauper to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy (laughs) in the car. That's awesome. But yeah, the boys were very happy to have audiobooks. Yeah. And my kids, it was
0: the best way to get them to take a nap was Winnie the Pooh, uh or there were some other classics, but mostly Winnie the Pooh was nap time and they would just go and I'd say you can leave when this section is done. So I would set a sleep timer and on the audio and your nap is over then and 9 times out of 10 they would fall asleep anyway. But they wouldn't have if they hadn't had an audiobook. So I I loved it. <laughs> Well, ladies, did both of you, Christy, did you homeschool all the way? Okay. And Jeanette, what about you?
2: Yes. Also, four children all the way through high school.
3: Marvelous. And Christy, you have seven, six. I have seven. Now, my daughter went to school, kindergarten, first grade. And when my husband and I got engaged, we were looking at a Christian school. And then one day I heard Dr. Moore on focus on the family yeah. so that's mm-hmm. like so 80 people. 1984 yep. so. and I said I, ca- I called Tom up and I said hey what about this and he's <sighs> like sure so from first grade on you know she she was homeschooled and then the boys all the way that's marvelous, Jeanette.
0: Were you going to say the same thing about focus?
2: Yes. Well, similar. Um, I, it wasn't Raymond Moore for me. It was my husband. When I, when we were engaged, he had lived at Brie and well, he had visited Brie in Switzerland. He would lived in Switzerland for quite a while and uh, became very familiar with Lebri there and the and the Schaeffers and, Maca- and Macaulays. Mm-hmm. And so, when we were engaged, he gave me the book for the children's sake, and he mm-hmm. said, "This is how I want our children to be educated." And I read mm-hmm. it and. Just
0: fell in love with all the ideas. Oh, I I went to Hillsdale College and, you know, it's a very homeschool friendly college. And so almost all of my friends at school were homeschooled. So I kind of always had it in my mind. And then my husband and I are high school teachers. He's now a high school administrator. And so when we moved to Green Bay, we said, "Okay, we need to find a parish. We need to join a parish that has a school attached because we believe in that and then we got to the point where I was listening to Focus on the Family, and I had this strong-willed, feisty boy who just didn't learn in the traditional sit-down-and-learn kind of way. And I was Focus on the Family that just really brought back to my memory, there's another way to do this. Homeschooling can be quite successful. We said, okay. Because well, I remember Dr. Dobson saying, I beg you, I implore you, homeschool boys through second grade huh. make any decision you want after that but i implore you not to put boys into kindergarten through second grade huh. and so greg and i said well we could try it you know we could try it for a couple of years one year at a time one child at a time of course now mine are in high school <laughs> and advanced middle school <laughs> So it's a, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Praise God for focus on the family, encouraging families to do what was right for them. So how did you go from being homeschool mamas to building a library that you would share with other people? Because you have a lot of treasures in your libraries. How did you make the decision to share those?
3: I don't think there was a real decision on my Mm -hmm. part, um, I just had a lot of books and I had a lot of friends and they <laughs> had a lot of kids and I just shared the books, mm-hmm. you know. And that was that was during an era of a lot of the um, well, Bob Jones University was publishing a lot of novels and um, there were a lot of historical fiction, uh, children's novels being published. And library and educational services was everybody's friend because you could buy these giant sets. But I just uh, kept picking them up and then then a stack would go out to this family mm-hmm. or a stack would go out to that family. Like some people lend their kids clothes out, you know, and yeah. the bags come back. I just sent out bags of books. <laughs> and that's – so it didn't – I didn't really – but I've always been a librarian wannabe. Mm-hmm.
2: My experience is a little bit different. I I was inspired by seeing a lot of homeschool moms that had really nice home libraries. They weren't mm-hmm. exactly lending things out. Matter of fact, one mom let me borrow a few books and she said, I never lend my books out, but I'm going to make an exception wow. for you. And I thought, Wow. But um, but I saw these home libraries, and I thought, well, that's the way to go—to have your own home library. So I slowly started building, and we moved to a house that was that had some space. We started out in 800 square feet, so I couldn't collect very many books at 800 (laughs) square feet. I tried, but it got really crowded. And so um, when we moved to a a larger house, and my husband was wonderful about just putting up shelves anytime I asked, anywhere Mm -hmm. I wanted, he was great about it. Mm -hmm. Never complained. Matter of fact, got very creative where we put all our shelving. And so I had no limits. I could just collect books. And I started, you know, learning which were the great books to collect, went to a lot of different seminars um, from different people who really knew a lot about books. I mean, I just almost memorized Jan Bloom's book, i we then read. And I just got to be friends with a lot of people who really knew books and, um, then, the, But the turning point for me came when I bought, uh, someone called me and said, are you still, um, you know, are you still buying books? And I said, well, yeah, I'm always buying books. <laughs> and she said, well, a school library is has 50 boxes of books that they're ready just to give away. And I said, give away? She said, well, I think they'll take like, pay, you can like pay $50 for like 70 boxes of books. And so I said, I'm in. Yeah. So I, I actually I went to the school and I looked at just a few of the boxes and they were all just oh. wonderful books, the kind of books that you really look for all the time. And so I took them all to my house and picked out the ones I wanted to keep and sold the ones I didn't. And I mean, I sold them for very, very cheap and I still made way more than I paid for those books. So that kind of got me hooked on, you know, buying a lot of books at one time and, you know, passing on the ones I didn't want sometimes selling them, sometimes giving them away. But I mean, I just gradually started collecting books, um, you know, became part of so many different groups on the internet where I found out about more books. And, and then when my children grew up and left home, I thought, I have to do something with all these books, I have Hmm. to be a force for good, you know, in my community. And I realized that all the books I had were the ones the library didn't have anymore. That right. was really eye-opening for me just to realize that. And my friends would start calling me and say, do you have this, do you have this, do you have this? And I had them. I had them up like I had all of them. Mm-hmm. And so I realized that that was just a really great resource. Um, I My dream always has been to have a combination bookstore, yarn shop, tea room. And so <laughs> I sort of implemented a little of that in you know in my home where I do teach children how to knit. I do offer moms tea when they come over for books, but a lot of times I'll just have moms call, you know, text me and say, here are the books I need for school next year. And I pick them out and box them up and get them to them. The next time I see them, I do that with the ladies at church. I do that with the ladies in all my book clubs. And so um, it just, and then when Emily Cottrell said, you know, she started listing, you know, living libraries. And I said, well, it's not anything formal, but I do have a library and I'm willing to loan out books. And so, um, I got on that list. And so, um, so I guess I'm officially a library, but I'm not like, I don't have my books in any kind of system. Mm -hmm. I keep, Track of what goes in and out on little index cards. I have a little index card box. <laughs> I um, stamp all the books with my name. And um, so it's very, very, very low tech. And sometimes the whole system just breaks down.
3: <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> I had a similar, when you talk about the large influx of books. So I've been collecting along. I think we found our first landmarks at a yard sale. Mm. I found my first read. Let's read and find out science at a yard sale. But there's a local Mennonite ministry called Booksavers in Maryland, and they take school library discards. Oh. So 20 couple years ago, when we moved back to the area, uh, they would have warehouse sales three times a year. And the books were, you know, six for five dollars or six for four dollars. And then you got a 20 percent discount if you bought so many.
0: Oh and wow.
3: um so I started going to the warehouse sale and they had everything dumped in Gaylords. Right. And they'd yeah. have an empty Gaylord next to it, and you would have to dig toss, through you you'd just take them out and toss them in the next one. And there were so many mm-hmm. books, and I bought so many books, and then mm-hmm. finally I realized because they were coming home in boxes and staying in boxes because I couldn't keep up with it. And finally, I was on the Yahoo group, you know, the um, home library Yahoo group, and I put out a plea and said, anybody that lives within this distance, could you please come to Book Savers and help me rescue these books? Because I cannot buy them all. Mm. I, I wanted to. But yeah. I just couldn't buy them all, and um, so that's when Elizabeth Jones started coming, and she now has Covenant Family Library, and it is built, I think, mostly on the books that she has gotten from Booksavers because she she really embraced it. Angie Pratt was another one who came, and I think her first her first take home was about thirty boxes, and wow. we had two or three people three or four people and then they told their friends so then it it became you know warehouse sale day yay (laughs) and it was like a reunion right and then we'd start piling the good books and so people wouldn't have to go through the gaylords we we pile the good Mm. books outside the gaylord and and then make an announcement okay you know (laughs) or here's my doubles or here's some good stuff there were a lot of um Mennonite ladies and Amish ladies that were collecting books for their schools Mm -hmm. and we sort of knew what they were looking for so sometimes you know I'd hold up a book and say oh who needs this and (laughs) somebody would come take it and it was it's it's a lot of fun but now that that deluge is pretty much over the library discards now are
0: not like that at all not like that And even the schools, I, I was thinking about, I live in Northeast Wisconsin, and all of the public schools, those discards were a long, long time ago. And the parochial schools, which actually went and claimed a lot of the discards from the public schools and the public library and put them in their schools, those schools have all closed. And they've, you know, consolidated, and they've already gotten rid of their libraries. And So there's a local classical school now and when I was at the library sale this week, everything I collected that I didn't need, all my duplicates, I'm donating to that school because that school should have been, by rights, should have probably inherited from the other schools, but the other schools, they're, they're gone. The books are gone. And that's one of the things that I we found is to be really interesting as we speak with library ladies is that the era in which you built your libraries, that time has changed now. And moms my age are going to have a totally different landscape trying to stock libraries now is it's a different deal which is partly why we're so grateful that people like living book press and purple house press and yesterday's classics are reprinting some of the good stuff because we can't find them do you still find but you still find treasures everywhere you go so how do you find your treasures
3: go ahead jeanette
2: well, I we think give away the what, trade secrets. Yeah, I'll give away all my trade secrets. No, I'm all about people. I mean, I, I love getting people, you know, inspired to begin their own libraries. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest trick I've done lately is anytime I'm going through a town, if I'm traveling from one town to another town, I will map out all the little town's in the on the way and I will visit every single little library in those towns because nowadays every library has a book sale room
1: they may mm-hmm. not have a
2: huge book sale you know like an organized book sale that weekend or whatever mm-hmm. but sometimes they do I've hit some of those too as well you know not really knowing about them
0: mm-hmm. but
2: almost every library has a book sale room and they literally sell them for like a quarter a piece most wow. of them wow. piece, 10 cents a piece and I have found treasures that way Mm -hmm. now it's not a huge quantity it's maybe like a box every time I go but still and sometimes more sometimes more and sometimes I've gone to some where I don't come away with a single book so there's that too but I still think library sales are definitely one way to go because they get them from donations right right a lot of these people just donate whole children's libraries when they donate the other thing is I've become a friend of the library Mm -hmm. and I I I ask to set up their children's section when there's a book sale, and they know I know how to set it up. So I'm not just you know right. blowing smoke here. <laughs> I my children's books, and I can set up a pretty good sale table of children's books and organize them well so people can find what they need and that's what they want. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but while doing that, you know I pre-shop and I get
0: of course yeah, some of the
2: good yeah stuff. Right. I try not to take all the good stuff because that's not fair. But you know um, I mean I've found books that way just lots and lots of books and really they have so many books at the library book sales they don't care if I take a box home the first night that doesn't bother them at all there's so many more where that came from so um, that's another way I have definitely added to my collection is just by running the book you know helping run the book sales and off you know volunteering to do all the children's books so um, and they're only too happy to let me do that so that's 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 also a a good way to collect books I think yeah and still you know still works well
0: yeah
2: and what about thrift you- stores I go to all the thrift oh. stores
3: oh yeah um,
2: and um but I'd say I, I I don't go to yard sales I know some people do I really don't do that anymore um but I'd say libraries in small towns are great and libraries in big towns are good too and um You know, and I I also, when I'm in a little town, I'll check out the used bookstore there too, because usually those are also, I mean, they're a little higher priced, but you can find some really great books that way too.
0: Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't matter what the price is as long, you know, if it's reasonable, the point is they have the book. That's kind of where we're at it for some of these books is just, does any, do they even exist in Mm -hmm. the wild anymore?
3: Yes, that's true. What about you, Christy? Well, Booksavers has gotten a little more savvy. Now they don't throw the landmarks in the gate lords. Mm. <laughs> but I do I do think they salt them to keep us going because sometimes <laughs> it is the bottom corner, the very bottom corner where I will find the Burgess Bird book. Oh there, wow. I literally found a Burgess Bird book in the bottom corner of a Gaylord. <laughs> and that means you have to climb in to read all right? So, um, uh, so now, but you know, if they put a, if they put a landmark on the shelf for $4, that's not terrible. No, you know, or childhood of famous Americans, that's right. not terrible. Right. So, you know, it, it's good because they're curating a little more themselves. Right. And it, it is for a good cause because it right. is a nonprofit organization. So we don't mind, but, um, <laughs> yeah, thrift stores, you just never know. I found a crinkle root at a Goodwill. <laughs> you, know, you just never know. Um, thrift stores. I volunteer at a thrift store and I do their books. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friends at the library and I I help out with that. I do a children's consignment sale now. I sell books at a children's consignment sale and I organize them for mm-hmm. the sale and. That's it's a lot of books that come in in 24 hours.
0: I couldn't believe the pictures you showed.
3: (laughs) Yeah, we the most we've ever had is about 15,000 books come in. Wow. In in Mm. 24 hours. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But it's um, it's a lot of fun. I don't find a whole lot of treasures there, but I I like to meet the moms. Mm. I like to hear them talking about books. I like, you know. So that that's kind of a, a fun thing for me. Yeah, but, one time uh, I went
2: to a library sale with Jan Bloom, and that was something to <laughs> She knew exactly what to look for. She picked out those books from the table so fast. It was so <laughs> inspiring. <laughs> I, I have to tell you a funny story about that, too. So one time I was, I used to go to, you know, all the library book sales when I was collecting, and um, I still do, but... I mean, I was really, I mean, I remember my heart would just start pounding when I was walking up to the building. I was just so excited to go into a library book sale. Well, there was this one woman there, and she had trained all her children. They were much older than mine. I was dragging toddlers who didn't really want to be there. But this woman had all her older children. She had trained them all on what to look for. They snapped up the landmarks and the signatures and the we were theirs before I could even get to them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, her children were so fast; they knew exactly what to look for. And she would pile up these stacks of books, and she would sit there uh, in a chair next to the table. And her children would just bring her all the treasures, right? And I was uh. just, Oh, so one day I just got really bold, and I asked her, "Is there any way I could just look at your discards? Because I saw she was discarding some."
0: Yeah,
2: and she was she gave me some kind of snippy reply, and I thought, "Wow, I don't think <laughs> I'm going to get anything out <laughs> this sale." <laughs> Well, I mean, I saw her at all the library sales, the same woman, same children. And it would just it would just really irk me. But um, then one day I was at a friend's house and we were having tea and Jordan, the, someone knocked on the door. She goes, oh, I'm expecting a friend to join us. And it was that woman. It was that woman. And oh. I did not know her at all. And I, I mean, later on we talked about it because I looked at her and I thought, oh, it's that woman. And she looked at me and she said, oh, that woman. It's so funny. We became the best of friends. I found out she was going through a horrible divorce. And oh. the only thing that kept her sane was reading wonderful books aloud to her children. That's all oh. she managed to do. Oh. And it just showed me how little we know, right? Of people, right. number right. one, and or their stories. And I mean, I didn't, I didn't hate this woman or wish her ill at any one point. I wished her children weren't so good at finding all the good books, but I, I, you know, I was really pleased later on when we became such good friends. We really Mm -hmm. did become wonderful friends and we would tell that story all the time. And people would just laugh and laugh and laugh. And, um, but it, it, it really, um, you know, Later on going to library sales, I realized there was hardly anybody there collecting books anymore. That was the sad thing. Right. I remember one time I was there and it was just a bunch of me and a bunch of other old moms
0: mm. <laughs>
2: are, you know who are looking through the books. And the young moms, they don't want to clutter their house with books. I, I
0: know I don't understand that. They don't at even all. like
2: older books. They want everything to be new. Ooh, and right. oh my goodness, I just can't even imagine that. But a lot of my friends' mm-hmm. children who are now starting their families, that's what they're like. 'Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I can I can collect some books for you. And they're like, no, no, thank you. Thank you, but no, thank you. So um it's really sad to me that
1: mm-hmm.
2: I mean there are some who do and and you know, mm-hmm. like I say, I'm I'm basically the phone a friend for just about everybody collecting books in the Chattanooga area. They'll call me, is this worth it? Is this worth it? Is this worth it? <laughs> And, um, and I love that. I told them, you can absolutely phone, you know, text me if there's something you're looking at, you're thinking, is this worth it? Do I, do I need to get this? Of course, the answer is almost always yes. Yes. He's <laughs> <But Christy's laughs> my enabler when I'm, when I'm doing online shopping, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, it is sad to me that not more younger moms are, are collecting books. I, like I said, I know a few, but the most of them, they they're just don't. They think they're all going to be at the library or maybe they just think, well, Jeanette's collected them all. So I'll just go over <laughs> to her house. And, and I'm okay with that. I really am. But I do, I do encourage
1: people to have their own libraries for sure. As much as they can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, one, thi- one thing I would say about that is that a lot of them probably don't feel settled enough to have a library. They're still finding their home where they're going to stay, you know, the, maybe they're renting or something like that. And mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, that could be part of it is that I'm not quite ready to have to move all those books every time we move to a different mm-hmm. place.
3: <laughs> when we, we moved back, we lived in New Hampshire for five years in the 90s. And so when we moved back, we had all our kids and all our stuff. And we had a 24 foot trailer, tr- truck. And half of it was books. And we gave the rest of the stuff away. We, <laughs> we brought home freezers that had meat in it,
0: uh-huh.
3: our mattresses. And your book. Kitchen stuff and books. In <laughs> a 24 foot truck Perfect. <laughs> for eight people. Yep. That, that was. <sighs> you figured important. everything else you could just get. <laughs> well, that's it. It's yeah. like we could have rented another truck. But you can go to a yard sale and buy a good sofa, or you can go. Right. You know, you don't need right. all that stuff, but no. the books, the books. <laughs> so by then, by by the end of the nineties, I had that many books already. Yeah. Right, right. That was, yeah, it was a lot.
0: <laughs> I was at the library sale, so I'm a friend of the library as well, and um, so I got I get to go to the pre-sale. You know, you pay the fee and you're a member, and and uh, I go to the pre-sale and. It was very unsettling. There were there was not a single vintage book there. Not one single vintage book. There, there was nothing. There were six copies of the entire set of Harry Potter, but there was not vintage books. But the picture books, I hit the mother load on picture books because a classroom teacher had donated her impeccable stash. And so once I started seeing her name, I went, Oh, I'm just gonna look for her name. And probably it's going to go in my cart. And I had my kids with me, my teen. And so we had all these carts and we're just filling them as fast as we could. Checked out and came back in and did it again. But the only other people in the children's section with me were a bunch of, I think, maybe classroom teachers. And they didn't want any of the stuff that I wanted and the stuff I wanted. When I got it all home, Sherry was like, half the stuff you have are picture book preschool books. And other people were commenting, those are five in a row books. Like these some of those are actually hard to find. And so this one teacher, and it was an amazing stash. But when I went back the next day, so we we checked out twice on Monday night, and then we went back on Tuesday morning. And I felt like on Tuesday that my role there was less to get books for me and more to just see if I had missed anything. And then I sat and started talking with other homeschool moms who were there and sharing doubles with them and that kind of thing, because they're just there just wasn't it wasn't the culture you're talking about that just doesn't exist
3: at least not in my area so no i'm i'm so guilty of being in a thrift store and somebody's standing there looking at a shelf and and i'll see what kind of what they're pulling off and looking at it and i can't help myself (laughs) i have to hand them a book and say (laughs) oh if you like this you will love this or somebody will come to, to at the consignment sale and they'll ask and i'll say well what Have they read? What do they like? Right. And then I can try to steer it in a direction or I'll hear the mom saying, oh, my mother read this to me when I was little and into the bag it goes because their parents got rid of all their books. Right. Probably because when they were 20 somethings, their parents said, take these or I'm getting rid of them. And the the 20 somethings were like, eh, don't need them. Yeah. now they're going back and buying the books that their parents had for them when they were kids. That's fun.
0: Well, and thank God for Jan Bloom's books, but I didn't know about them right away. And mm-hmm. so we'll make sure for sure that we're going to link that in the show notes. So if other moms don't know, you need to know about Jan Bloom's books. You have to. This is the primer on how to collect books.
3: Yeah.
0: I bought on eBay. I think it was $75. And I got... 35 hardback childhood of famous Americans. And then somebody somewhere convinced me that landmark books were better. And I didn't know anything at that point. And I only had little kids. So I gave those childhood of famous Americans away. I kept the Vince Lombardi because I'm from Green Bay. That was it. I kept Vince Lombardi. Would have been the one i gave away uh, i know me too i love that one i love that one <laughs> i have done that so many times and then when we built potato peel behind and people started talking about jan bloom i'm like i don't understand what you're talking about <laughs> once i got the first of her books what then should we read i went and got the sequel <laughs> And then I realized all of my books in, giving away all these amazing books.
3: (laughs) Christy, what book made you a reader? Dick and Jane? I don't know. I I I, was thinking about that. I was the era of Dick and Jane. Yeah. And so that's how I learned to read. And thankfully, I was a visual Mm -hmm. learner. I learned to read with Dick and Jane, and I don't remember anything after that, until about fourth grade. And what did you love in fourth grade then? I loved my fourth grade teacher. Oh. Because mm. she read to us after oh. lunch. If, oh. if we lined up quietly, mm-hmm. she would read to us. Mm. And she read Charlotte's Web, oh. Misty of Chinkatee. Of course. And Tornado Jones. I've never read Tornado Jones. Which is my forgotten book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And that's why I said I have to read it again. What about that book struck me so much? Maybe it was just the title, Tornado Jones. Right. It's a great title. <laughs> but she, Brady of the Grand Canyon. It wasn't until I started homeschooling my kids that I realized that those were the current popular literature of the early 60s, late 50s, and early oh. 60s. Those were the award winners. Right. And I they were just part of my my world. Right. Right. And and we got to fifth grade and our class wanted to continue that our teacher. He wasn't really that interested. So he allowed some of the students to choose books. And one of the students chose the wonderful flight to the mushroom planet oh.
2: and Aww. that's
3: how I started my love of science fiction, science fiction. so you know that those are the things that really stand out to me yeah. but I was the kind of reader that I read everything mm-hmm. the cereal box right you, right it, you know I I was not a discriminating reader mm-hmm I don't remember getting anything out of the elementary school library, but the bookmobile came to our town. You know how when you have these, these memories, anytime I walk in somewhere where there's the smell mm-hmm. of the, I don't know if it's the library binding smell, mm-hmm. but the bookmobile smelled that way.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: oh, that is just like heaven. <laughs> so uh, I probably read everything in the bookmobile. Oh. I don't remember. <laughs> That I just read a lot, right. but those were the books that I remember. And that we had a shelf classics, the Collier yes. Young yes. folks shelf of books. Mm-hmm. And there were certain volumes that were my favorites. Mm-hmm. My grandmother had a Bible story book, Edger Meyer's mm-hmm. Bible stories. Mm-hmm. I read that through mm-hmm. and through and over and over, but that was my childhood. I just read so much that I don't, I wish I could remember a lot. But I don't. But those I do remember. That's beautiful. You
2: know what I love about that story, Christy, is that that one teacher started that tradition in the whole class. So all the students now wanted to be read aloud to. And that passed on from grade to grade. And what she created was just something that's wonderful.
3: It, It was wonderful. And toward the end of her life, when we moved back to Maryland, I live in the house down the hill from where she was living. And I had the opportunity (laughs) to go up to her house and thank her so much for what she did for us that I didn't know if she ever realized how impactful it was. Just created a love for good literature. You can't replace that.
0: No. How beautiful. Jeanette, what about you?
2: Well, I was trying to think about that. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago and my parents were Dutch immigrants Mm-hmm. And my mom's English was not really that good. So I don't <laughs> think my mom read aloud to me. And my dad was working a full time job, going to night school. I don't think he read aloud to me either. So I, but I taught myself to read at a very young age. I'm the middle of three girls. And when my sister was learning to read in school, I wanted to learn to read too. And so I think I taught myself to read. My mom said, All I hear, it all heard all day is, Mom. What is? And I would spell some word out and she would have to tell me. So I, I guess that's how I learned to read. And once I started doing that, I just basically never stopped. We lived in Elmhurst, Illinois, like one of the suburbs of Chicago. What? And I think I was the, they like made a special exemption for me. I was like the youngest library card holder because <laughs> they, I just would like, I would just bug them so often to let me check out books, you know, not just on my mom's card or whatever. And so they finally relented and gave me my own library card. And I mean, I just read everything. I kind of like Christy said, I was not very discerning, but I can remember so many, you know, just basically almost making my way down the shelves of the library in Elmhurst, Illinois and just, and I do remember very, very well reading Little House on the Prairie. I think that's the series that turned me into a reader because it was a series and I loved it Mm -hmm. so much. And the last book came out. About that time. And I remember just waiting for it and waiting for it and waiting for it because it was discovered
3: later. Is that not right, Christy? I'll tell you, when I started homeschooling my kids, and I thought I had read a lot of books. Uh And I'm Uh like, where was I? (laughs) Because a lot of these books were published during the time that I should have been reading them. And Mm. I I thought, where I, I think homeschooling was better for me. And it oh, wasn't kids. No, I definitely because I got to read all the books. No,
2: I definitely was not very well read before I started homeschooling. There's no, I just wasn't. But I do remember I loved the Betsy Tacy books too. That was another series that I just hung on every word. I think I read them several times over. And did my you read, daughter loved them too.
0: Did and you read I, the high I, school ones too or just I
2: read all of them. Yeah, me I too. Read all of them. No one told me to stop. And they just and did I, I, I so good. All Oh, don't let them read, you know, books four and five until they're such and such an age. No, 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 no,
3: no.
2: I read them all. They were so, so lovely. I just adored <laughs> those books. I heard I that. Got to, I got to go to Mankato and visit, you know, the area where um, she grew up. And I saw, you know, Betsy Tacey, the Betsy house, the Tacy house. That was wonderful. I saw the little bench, you know, where they saw yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> That was so, so lovely. And the, that little town was exactly like how I pictured it. It was so Aww. beautiful. <laughs> but anyway, so I think those two, but then later on I remember I read Nancy Drew nonstop, mm-hmm. nonstop, mm-hmm. stop and Trickster everyone I could get a hold Cherry of. Ames.
3: Cherry mm-hmm. Ames,
2: oh, all the nurse books. I read all those series. So I don't think I read the really great stuff until I was homeschooling. I had an uncle who gave me a book a year. And I think that Mm. helped a lot too. I think the first book I got was Stuart Little. And I really loved that book so much. I still have that copy. He gave my sister Wind in the Willows. Mm. And I I read that and I wasn't really fond of it until I read it aloud to my children. And I loved it. (laughs) My children loved it. They didn't have the same reaction I did when I was little to it. But I mean, I just adored. And so that's, if I read any classics, it was thanks to this, you know, my Uncle Jan who gave me these classics. And I think he just knew I loved to read. And so he said, oh, that's an easy gift for her. <laughs> <laughs> he gave me these classic children's books that I really wasn't very familiar with. I think I got Charlotte's web that way too. But I think I just, I love to read and I, I read voraciously and not not with much discernment. That's yeah.
3: Oh, how about Lois Lensky? Now I did, I did read. Strawberry Girl was just a favorite of mine. And yeah, um not too long you. ago, uh there was another lady who sold books at the consignment sale. And she had brought in, she would read these books before. And she was older than me, older lady. And she just had never read much as a child. And so she was bringing in these books to sell. And I said, oh, this, I love Lois Lensky. She comes back. She says, that book is so depressing. It was like, ooh. Maybe but Strawberry adult, Girl was depressing? Yes. As an adult reading it, mm-hmm. she connected in a way that made it feel depressing to her. To me, it was just like, I love to read about things that were not familiar to me. Mm-hmm. And I still do. I love to read about people in other countries. I love historical fiction. I love stories set in other countries. I love stories set in other regions. And I think that's why I like Lois Lensky so much. Mm.
2: Well, another memory I have is I asked my mom, she went to rummage sales when we lived in Chicago and the suburbs of Chicago. She went to the rummage sales at the Catholic Church. Mm. And I said, Mom, bring home every single history book you can find. And they were history textbooks, right? They were history textbooks. And she brought home all these old textbooks. And I would read them cover to cover. They were so well written. I mean, they were really well-written mm-hmm. history textbooks. And I still, I mean, I still enjoy reading those kind of books.
1: But Lovely. When I was in grade school, Christy, I think we're probably really close to the same age. But we didn't have a library. We had a bookmobile. So it came around once a week. And that was the best day of the week. But yes, the smell. Yes. But I was going to ask you both. Have you read Christopher Morley's Parnassus on Wheels?
2: Yes, I love that book.
1: <laughs> I, love I, I read that and I was going, "Oh, yes, that's what
2: I want to be." Yes, <laughs> that, that's such a That's such a great book. I didn't like the sequel as much. It was really no. kind of weird. But um and I want to say about the Lensky books, those were depressing to me too. I recently read is it Peanut Billy? Is that one of them?
3: Oh, probably. And I, that I, was
2: I, that was weird. Like I don't think I would have passed it on to a child.
3: I I read Strawberry Girl and... Camp Girl? No. Ocean Born Mary? No. Oh, no. I didn't even know about Phoebe Fairchild or Ocean... Book. I was number one fan of the Kickstarter.
0: Uh. It's <laughs> like, I want
3: those books. No, Judy's Journey.
2: Okay. Judy's
3: Journey was another one I remember. Yeah. Um, so I didn't read all of them. I probably only read what the bookmobile had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what was, you know, available when I would actually show up to uh, check out books. But uh, how about know, Beanie Malone? Has anybody, heard, do you, did you ever remember Beanie, Beanie I read
2: Beanie Malone. Yeah. I mean, I read, you know, like Ellen Tebbets and all the Beverly Cleary books. I, yeah. think I read all of those too. Yeah. And um, I read all the Betsy, the Haywood books, the Betsy yes. books, the, yes. the um, Eddie books. I read them all. And yeah. those are still tops. Of what people want to borrow when they come to my library. I I have a lot of families and their children read through all the Betsy books and all the Eddie books and all the standalones from Haywood. I don't Mm. think anyone writes for children as well as Haywood of a certain age. I really do. I think Haywood is the best one out there. I haven't found anything to compare. I know when I teach my little kindergarten, I know that if I'm reading a Haywood book, everybody's going to love it. It's just an Mm. easy, easy pick. And they do. They always just love
0: those books. You know, the only experience I knew, I did not know that Lois Lensky had written books until I homeschooled. I only knew her as the illustrator of Betsy and Tacy. That was it. That was oh, the only really? way I ever knew her was I thought she was an illustrator. I didn't know she was an author as well. And so it wasn't until Strawberry Girl was on a reading list, and I got it, and I didn't like Strawberry Girl. I thought Strawberry. it was depressing too. <laughs> but I have since come to really, I guess, yeah, at the, about the same time as when I found Lois Lenski's Small and Little books. Small oh,
2: books are so sweet,
0: and my little Jack just couldn't couldn't get enough of those. So my favorite Lois Lenski book is Cowboy Small.
2: <laughs> it's, a, it's a sweet book. That's all. It is to. darling.
0: How did you ladies find out about Jan Bloom's books?
2: Um, That's a good question. I think she came to our homeschool, you know, like our homeschool fair. Mm. I just felt like I'd come home when I walked into her booth. It was so
0: beautiful.
2: I met her at at a curriculum. Fair or curriculum sale, and we became very good friends, and then every time she came to stay at my house, oh. which was great because she would let me trade all my books for her books. So <laughs> I would collect throughout the year books to trade with her that I knew she wanted, right that I knew were high-value books that she really yeah. wanted in her booth. and she would give me book credit in her booth, and it was like Christmas. Oh. It was oh. like- I love that she didn't do it for everybody, but it, she did it for me, and she's so funny. she would give like your hostess discount, you know she stayed at your house, you'd give yeah. your discount so we we became very, very good friends and still mm-hmm. are to this day and um I sometimes would just send her a list of things I was looking for, and the next time she'd be in town, she would have them for me. Oh, you would stay <laughs> up all night literally. And one time we had Ray Perry here too. And so it was Ray Perry and Jan Bloom and myself. And literally we stayed up all night just doing nothing but talking about books.
3: (laughs) Oh, how fun. (laughs) We would have a curriculum fair once a year Mm -hmm. and we would get a lot of the used curriculum sellers. But for a little while, Bob and Tina Farewell Mm -hmm. would come with lifetime books and gifts. Mm -hmm. And they were about the closest thing to... a a real living book seller Mm. that that we would have come come through our area. But I think I just found out about these people from the Yahoo group Yeah, and Valerie's living books. I still have my binder where I printed out all the pages from. I have it.
2: I have it too, Christy. I have that same binder.
3: (laughs) And I have Jan's books and, and I collect literature guides. Mm -hmm. It's it's one of what I call my, my cheats. Yeah, mm-hmm. like people no ask me how I know about all these books and it's like, "Well, yeah. I cheat." Yeah.
0: <laughs>
3: well, and nobody can know guy. these
1: things on their yeah. own. <laughs> no. That's called research, not cheating.
2: Well, <laughs> and I really think I enjoy sometimes reading more about books than I do reading reading books. <laughs> and it's the same reason why I just love a meal of appetizers. I love a meal of just various appetizers. And I think that's why I love some of these books that are just books on books, right? Just, yeah. That just tell a little bit about the book, a little bit about the author. Mm-hmm. I could read those all day
3: long. And I have a bunch of those that are just yeah. really wonderful. Have you read Anita Sylvie's 100 Best Books for Children?
2: I think I have that one.
3: Oh, she picked out the 100 best books in the 20th century, I think. She mm-hmm. kind of limited herself. I have that one. she awesome. wrote little essays about each one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought, oh, well, I'm just going to look at this. And then three <laughs> hours later, it, it was done. <laughs> and then she has an index in the back with 100 more books. Yeah, I, I love. And when you guys do interviews with authors, mm-hmm. it's amazing. I Yay. love those. That yeah. David Weitzman interview. Oh. I Isn't cannot it? imagine I would be all over myself. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, so good.
0: we want to do more with him. So. He is such a delight. Oh, he was such a treasure. I'm really excited because in a couple of weeks, you will hear Jill's conversation about Elizabeth Orton Jones. It's oh. precious to hear about how she created the story Twig. It's just It's so charming. So charming. So for those authors that are already gone, to have Jill have worked with these people so closely. She's got these stories that are just delightful. And yeah, that sounds
2: amazing. That's one of my favorite
3: stories. I love that book.
0: Mine too. It's a total gem. So that one, I think, I think it's like the second week of December.
3: I love to read books about books, books that are set in bookshops. Books mm-hmm. that are mysteries mm-hmm. that take place in bookshops, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. books about book collecting, mm-hmm. books, the stories behind them. Um, You'll
2: have to make a list, Christy. I want to hear about your favorite ones. Me too. <laughs> <Do you probably laughs> That's a whole them? genre. I'm serious. That's a whole genre that you don't. I think one time I saw a list of those somewhere. Maybe You read Among the Gently Mad and A Gentle yeah. Madness? I've heard of a gentle madness, but I haven't read among
3: the. He gentles. wrote four books, mm-hmm. all about different aspects. So was that Nicholas Baspanis?
2: Yeah, I do have. I do have another book of his. Yeah, really thick one.
3: Yeah, they're really thick. They are <laughs> grown-up books for sure. Yeah, uh, but they are really good. He he just he's a good writer, and mm. I just love books about books. I did too. I say. Yeah.
0: Eighty Four Charing Crossroad is one of my favorite books of all time.
2: That's a great book. Have you I, read all the sequels?
0: Yes, okay. and I and, and I've read all of them. Some of them I've read twice, but Eighty Four Charing Crossroad, I reread every nine months. Well,
2: those are one. That's one of the books where you pick it up and you just have yeah. to read the whole thing again.
0: You, you find that you, take that you that long. You just get up to make another cup of tea, going to run to the
3: bathroom, and you have the whole book done. <laughs> I I haven't read that one yet. I have. <laughs> Like I said, not <laughs> discerning, teeny tiny, and it's
0: a true story. And the movie with Anthony Hopkins is incredible, and it's accurate because she was on the production staff.
2: Right, right, that's right.
0: But see, yeah. then the the stack of The Expanse—that's the problem. You read eighty-four cheering Crossroad and you're like, "Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh my!" Like we read yeah. in In Potato Peel Pie, we ended up reading Peep's Diary, just because oh, wow. of. What well, we didn't get
3: very far, but
0: just because Helene Hamps was so desperate to have it,
3: <laughs> <laughs> Dorothy Gilman wrote. A, she wrote a lot. She's an author that that wrote some books for her children, not many, but she mm-hmm. wrote the Mrs. Halifax series. Right? Oh, yeah. But she also wrote some other adult fiction, and one was a mystery that that was like a story within a story. And then she wrote the book that appeared in the story oh. it was called the maze in the heart of the castle that's you know, awesome <laughs> those are that take your brain off for yeah a while. you need
1: those sometimes kind
3: of, you need those sometimes
1: yeah i think that for a lot of our listeners they will maybe aspire to have a library someday but most of them are probably not gonna run out and do that just right now because we were talking to you but one of the things that we find so valuable about our library ladies is what you know about the best books. Yes. And you've mentioned a lot of them that are, you know, the series, the authors that they should, if they're homeschooling, especially just run right out and try to find. Are there any others that you want to make sure that you get in before we're done this time? Like moms, you have to find. Yeah.
0: If there were If there were one or two or three books that you would say, "Moms, if you find this, this is what you hold on to." What What would be on that list for you?
3: I would say, "Moms, go buy the literature guides." Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
3: That is how I know. I mean, other than it was there and I wanted it, right? So (laughs) I I picked it up. I I will say that I. I err on the side of buy it anyway. You might find out you don't want to keep it, but oh, well, you know, so <laughs> when when people want me to curate this, you know, two shelves of books at a store, it's like, if
1: it looks good to you, just buy it because you can always get rid of it. Right. right. You don't have to keep it. I think that's important you don't Have to keep it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm.
2: I, I think that's true. And I think um, Honey for a Child's Heart was my yes. introduction to children's books and the way that, she wrote was yeah. just so incredibly, Lovely. just it made you want to read aloud to your children. I yeah. mean, it was, it was yeah. so so beautifully written, and she just was very warm and welcoming. And how she introduced the books and her book lists, I think, were impeccable. Really, okay. really well done. So yeah. I think Money for a Child's Heart is definitely a place to start. If I was going to pick one author, I think that more people have borrowed and have enjoyed, I, beside the Haywood books, I'd say it would it would be the um, Van Stockham books.
0: Oh, yeah. Yes. The yeah.
2: series, all the standalones, yes. all of them are just all so good. The Winged Watchmen. Yes. All those books, Bard House, all of them. I don't think there's a bad one in the bunch.
0: Yeah.
2: And then um, I mean, I guess it depends on what genre you're looking for too, yeah. right? But yeah. um I would say, oh boy, that's really hard. I'm with Christy, just buy a book guide. I have lists of things that I've put together of my favorites in various genres and subjects if you're teaching like history books and mm-hmm. books and starting readers i mean i've made so many lists over the years mm-hmm. for, for friends who've asked me to that i i do have those available um i've tried to keep them current yeah i would say become familiar with the best authors and jan bloom's books and um and look for the books that um are in honey for a child's heart that would be my
0: marvelous
2: then, i mean i love like e nesbitt too i have
0: everything yes yeah well and c.s lewis loved nesbitt so therefore yes. what further recommendation do you
3: need <laughs> yes. yes yes rosemary sutcliffe yes is another mm-hmm. one for older <laughs> for older yes. readers
1: here's a follow-up question for you what if i get one of those books and i can't find everything am i a loser
2: no, I mean, you, you have time to look, right? You still have some more years to find stuff, <laughs> but I do. I, I'm a big believer in keeping wish lists on ABE books. I have a wish list going that they notify me, right, when the book comes mm-hmm. in at any price. It's usually a price I'm not willing to pay, but sometimes I've gotten some of my best books that way. Um, and then I also have wish lists on thrift books, they notify me when stuff comes in. Um, eBay. the world lets you keep a wish list, mm-hmm. so yeah. some of my books that I've been looking for for a long time are on those lists as well. Mm-hmm. But um, I think in teaching kindergarten, I've just read so many wonderful picture books that I never knew about ever with my own children. And mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that is getting better. The picture books that are, are almost getting better now, the ones that are being published, some of the newer ones are even just as lovely as some of the vintage ones. Yeah. And so um, that's been really encouraging to see that trend.
0: I love what you said, Jeanette, that you still have time to collect. <laughs> There's no expiration date. And it, my my children are 15, 13, and 11, and we canceled school on Tuesday because we'd gone to the book sale on Monday. And okay, so my 15-year-old only had patience for picture books for about an hour or two. <laughs> but my kids, have just been poring over the picture books. They're not too old. You're never too old for good picture books. So no matter when you find it, it's worth finding.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I always tell myself, you know, if I can't find a certain book, there are just so many other great books out there that I yeah. have found. Yeah. And so I do not stress over, you know, not having a particular book in my collection. Although, and, and I know that my collection is very good and I'm 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 very satisfied with the books I have. Of course, I always want more of a certain, you know, author or whatever, but I feel like I have a really good collection to offer people and I have something for everybody.
0: Well, ladies this is a great first conversation. (laughs) Um, Obviously, we're going to have you back a lot. When this episode airs, I don't think our listeners are going to necessarily know exactly what's coming, but you have graciously agreed to come back. The library ladies are coming back twice a month. Sometimes we're talking about landmark books once a month, and sometimes we're talking about some other library ladies series that we're doing, like, Forgotten Books, and sometimes it'll be one of you or two of you. Sometimes it'll be all of you. So there's lots to look forward to. Lots more conversations to be had. So thank you for joining us.
2: Well, I've really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to talking more about books.
3: There's nothing better than talking about books. Amen Agreed.
2: Agreed.
0: <laughs> 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 Wonderful. Thank you so very much, ladies. Thank we'll you. Talk again.